0: You are listening to The Curator Podcast Season 2, Episode 5 An interview with Laura Jane Grace from Against Me It's me, Mark. Just wanted to jump in here real quick and say that I've been a huge Against Me fan for, well, years, probably about 10 years. Probably about 10 years, yeah. And to actually get a chance to sit down and talk to Laura Jane Grace was a total honour for me. And, you know, when I started this podcast, I had a list of people I wanted to talk to and she was definitely on it. And now I can put a big tick massive tick next to that it was pretty cool so I think this interview went quite well and I hope you enjoy it too
1: Laura um, I'm trying really hard here to not lose my shit <laughs> it's a total honour to meet you how are you? I'm doing okay, no complaints um, I've got a question that I I want to ask you, and I don't get to ask it a lot, right? Um, because I, because I don't really get to talk to many people, um, that, who I, I think are one of the best songwriters like ever. Okay. Thanks. And the question is, um, as I'm sitting here across from you, uh, it's quite, I'm quite nervous, and it's quite, it's quite intimidating. Uh, and my question to you is, if there's somebody that you'd want to interview, that you'd find quite daunting, <laughs> who, who would that be? Um, jeez, I don't know.
2: Um, I've I've been lucky. I've been able to meet a lot of my heroes, but yeah, uh, I don't know. For the most part, I don't think I'd want to. <laughs> like if I had a a songwriting hero or something like that, I I think I would just I think I'd let it be.
1: You know, like, yeah, just kind of like uh, I think I'll just leave that. Like, let just keep that as a, like a fantasy in my head almost, and just not actually talk to that person.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, like. I, I think it would be better off that way
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, So you've been doing a lot of press I was doing my research all throughout the week and it's, it's just been it seems like there's so many interviews you've done recently and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but it must be kind of blurring kind of blurring into one, almost, at this point. A little bit, yeah. I'm a little burnt out on doing press, to be honest. I kind of don't want to do it anymore. I can imagine, especially, like, so much has happened, like, this year, the book, the album, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't, I've got to, I'll put my cards on the table right now. I've not read the book, because it's really hard to get it. Well, I've, I've been hearing really yeah. it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, like,
2: officially released over here until, like, end of January or something oh, like man. that. If you, get any, if you get
1: any copies with you?
2: We, we should. We, like, we had copies initially, but we sold out of them, mm-hmm. and then we were supposed to receive another box or so today, so I'm not sure if they showed up, but in theory.
1: <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that, that press gauntlet, I mean, I know you're talking to a journalist just now, and it's, like, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. It's like, oh, I fucking hate doing this stuff. But, like, is it, I mean, how does it feel at this point like to have been doing so much, like, constant press?
2: Uh, as I said, I'm I'm burnt out on it. I don't want to do it anymore.
1: I think I'm going to quit doing press after this tour. <laughs> um, because I've not, I don't want to talk too much about the book because I've not read it. But um, a lot of the interviews have been sort of hammering in on that as well. Um, and it's obviously a huge thing, you mm-hmm. know, writing a memoir. And uh, I was just blown away by so many, like, so many people keep asking the same question, like, where does the title come from? And I was thinking to myself. Can you not just Google like there's an article that you did like on Noisy that explains like everything? Yeah. yeah. It's like,
2: well, It's true, I did I did write an article that explains it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I mean a lot of times too, like doing press for the book feels redundant where it's like, yo, all the answers are just in the book. Like yeah. that the bit the book is basically like the most extensive interview <laughs> you could ever hope for. Like, you know, starting from when I was born, you know. <laughs>
1: I mean, I gather from the, from some of the interviews I've read that you'd, you kept journals, which is a been a recurring theme as well mm-hmm. <laughs> in all the interviews, but, uh, this podcast is all about creativity and, and sort of passion and, and just generally, um, talking about what makes creative people tick yeah. and that sort of uh, desire to keep writing and keep, keeping journals, did that, has that helped you become a better songwriter or do you think as you've is just I hope kind of so. I mean, that was
2: kind of like the goal of it, you know, mm-hmm. was that like I could only write Lyrics like are in the style of lyrics for so much, you know, like and 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 oftentimes, you know You really need to feel creative in order to write lyrics um, Which isn't always the case, you know Um, so in order to just like be in the act of writing Like I found journaling was easy because you can like write down the most mundane thing ever like woke up, got breakfast, eggs, toast, coffee, you know. So you're still writing, you're still doing the act of writing, but it doesn't take creativity, you know. Um, But the theory was that hopefully that would make me a better lyricist, you know, so I don't know. It's up
1: to other people to judge. (laughs) Do you feel as though you've you've kind of changed yourself as you've been doing the journaling process and the way that you compose lyrics? Do you think it's evolved over the years?
2: Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I, I mean, um, you, you like develop different tricks almost, and like, you know, it. it there's a saying. I think it was a, uh, Picasso that, uh, like, inspiration is out there, but it has to find you in the act. You know, mm-hmm. like so you can be having one of those like moments where you're not feeling creative, but you have a pen and a paper in hand and then you accidentally stumble onto something. And oftentimes that, that'll that happen where I'll be like writing journal style and I'll come across a line, you know, that'll like resonate, that I'll expand on. Um, other times it's like easier where it's just like full on, you know, song flows out of you and those are kind of the moments you wait for. But, you know, there's no
1: science <laughs> to it, unfortunately. <laughs> I guess I must it's obviously like, like anything being creative and being a songwriter it's like a job isn't it you've got to turn up every day and like sit down and go I'm going to write some course today I'm going to write some lyrics today
2: sure and I really respect like writers who take that approach of like having the habit of writing you know of like it being a practice of like I will write every day I'll force myself to do it and as a job you know and like I really believe that artists should be compensated for their work or deserve to be paid for their Absolutely, work or that yeah. it's a valuable thing yeah. and it's a totally val- valuable contribution to society, you know, like music in particular, like name a society that existed, w- that has existed without music. Exactly. You
1: know? I mean, I guess you've, you've got that, you obviously have that um, drive to, to keep, be, I mean, I presume you keep journal, journals every day. Like I, I try to, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and seeing you don't do it, does it feel kind of weird? Do you kind of feel like you've... I feel guilty if I don't write. I feel like, <laughs> I get like, that, oh, it. Shit. I, I get that Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I often wonder where that drive comes from. Like, I, I need to do something like this, like, every day, you know? like It, it clearly develops from a very young age, but I like, try to pinpoint it is like, yeah, let's... Hmm, it's like psychoanalysis. It's like, can I really go back to that point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I think it's
2: once you... Like, it takes effort to get into the habit. So once you establish the habit, you, like... I don't want an effort to be a waste, you know. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, totally, totally makes sense. Um, has has writing the book made you? I mean, you've always said you've got aspirations to be a writer. Mm-hmm. So, has writing the book fulfilled that, or has it made you want to do it more? Um, it
2: it's made me want to do it more. Excellent. You know, like it's kind of like the same with records, where you're like okay, you did the first one and then you're like, okay, I need to make sure this wasn't a fluke. You know, like, that it's like, that it wasn't just like a one-off thing and you want to like, I don't know, you you feel like you want to, I like, I think one thing that like keeps me writing too is that like, I want to feel like I'm getting better at it. You know, like, and I want to feel like I progress. So like, there's always that urge to like top what you've done,
1: you know? Looking over, like when you were going through the process of writing the book, did you see the progress in your writing? I did, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. Even like, see, I I could see the progress in my handwriting, you know, (laughs) just like my my hand getting stronger, you know. Um, But yeah, for sure, you know, like able to formulate thoughts better, able to like express myself better the way I felt more. And that's part of it too, specifically the journaling is like being in touch with yourself and your emotions and processing, you know, like this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, you know, if you don't express the way you feel... Especially because like it'd be a little obnoxious if you were constantly telling your friends, you know, like how you felt every step of the way. Um, You know, like having that as an outlet like helps you to better understand yourself and the ability to look back and know for certain like this is how I felt at this time doing this thing. You know, like I know because I wrote it down,
1: not because I'm remembering incorrectly, you know. I mean, combining all the writing and the journals you've done and all the all the music you've made, I mean, that's a staggering amount of creative not output to have, creative creative output to have over the course of thirty six years or something like that. I mean <laughs> that's, that's that's like a treadmill. You, you you want to keep going. And where does that drive come from to just keep wanting to be creative and I, that I part appreciate you
2: saying that. I mean I like you know, like it's this year in particular, obviously there's been a lot, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of valuable artists passing. Yes and um, anytime that's happened I've kind of like looked at their body of work and kind of felt humbled by it where it's like okay David Bowie had like 27 full length
1: albums Definitely and like, you, like he wrote so many <laughs> records and like year after year after year I mean there's right. a lot of trappings of stuff that modern bands have that he just didn't have yeah he didn't
2: know? have to tour as much as <laughs> yeah, he could make money off of just putting out <laughs> records yeah or but but then like you look at like prince compared to david Bowie, he had like 40 some odd full-length records and i
1: look at that number and i'm just like shit i've only done seven full lengths. So i really got to start working harder you know <laughs> but i mean uh, that's part of it like that guilt is like i a as well and and, and I feel really guilty when I'm not writing and it just makes me go, oh, man, Mark, can you just fucking do something today? Can you just, can you just sit down like, half an hour just write some nonsense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the downside to have somebody with like an oeuvre that big, it was like, have you listened to a lot of Prince's records? Like he's got like lots of great <laughs> ones and he's got like, uh... <laughs> right, but I also, you know, I am, I'm a strong believer in volume
2: in that way where like, especially with lyric writing, where I've learned that it's more about like Go for volume. Like, if I fill up four pages worth of, you know, random thoughts, I know I have a song in it. And it's not that every single line is great. It's just that I know that there's enough in there that I can chop it down into something pretty good. Mm. You know, so like, I'm I've always been that type of writer where it's like, go for volume, go for volume, and then edit, edit, edit.
1: <laughs> Making it smaller till it's something recognizable. Well,
2: okay. I mean, that was like, you know, my approach with the book too. Yeah. It was like. You know, going into it, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but first step of going back and transcribing all my journals, I had like close to 2 million words, like oh a million course. and a half words. Oh my so goodness. knowing that my, I think my book ended up around 75,000 words, looking at a million and a half words, I knew that it's like, okay, well, there has to be a book in there. Yeah, oh. You know, there, there just is, so, you know, like by, by like percentages and odds, <laughs> there has to be a book. Yeah. In a million and a half words. There's
1: got to be something in there that I can keep. Surely, hopefully, hope to God there's something. In there, <laughs> Right.
2: But I mean, if you look yeah. at also like, okay, 75,000 words out of a million and a half words, meaning that 75,000 of the words are good and, um, and like however many, like a million of them were just crap, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that's not a good ratio. But nonetheless, that's that's my style, you,
1: you know. You got there in the end of That's the thing then. Yeah. It's, like chipping, it's like climbing a mountain. Right. You've got to take it every single step and you're going to discard so much stuff right you must do that when you're writing songs and like chord progressions and and like you know when you sit down with the guitar to actually bang out a song I mean you must get the same kind of process like volume is that the same thing sure sure
2: sure and and often it's you know you're playing mind games with yourself and You know, that was one of the things that was like first time we ever worked with a producer, like a real producer was kind of taught to me. It's like they're just like, keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. And that's part of a producer's job is to encourage you to keep writing. So like, for instance, the record New Wave we did, like I wrote 30 songs for that. It's a 10 song record, you know, so like when you're writing that much you sometimes don't even realize what the good stuff is and that's probably part of the point is like to turn off that kind of like self-evaluation as you're going and to just like not be paying attention or overthinking it just like <laughs> write, just right
1: Turn off that self-critical part was that hard to, to begin with i thought i guess you started writing songs when you're really young so was that even there but it is
2: it totally is and I, I mean i feel like that that's like The most common thing anytime I ask for somebody who's like just starting out where they're like, what's the best advice you could give me like for writing songs is that you will think you're shit. Mm -hmm. Like starting out, you will think I'm no good and everything I write is crap Mm -hmm. and you just have to write crappy things for a while and eventually, hopefully you'll get better, but you're never going to get better unless you just put out the shit first.
1: That's always been my philosophy when it comes to writing and writing music. So I'm so glad to hear somebody like you (laughs) saying that because it's like, oh, thank God. (laughs) crippling self out, i but i
2: still have that self-doubt where you're like because yeah. every time you know every time you finish a record you're like essentially starting over with a blank slate of an ego of like oh, i'll never write a good song again or like even with a book it's like oh, i'll never write a book again i you know like how could i possibly do it again like you know it's like you feel like it's uh I mean, maybe part of that is, like, thinking that it's a bit of magic and that mm-hmm. you've, like, worry you will lost the magic when really it was all you all along, Yeah, you
1: know? You've got this, basically. You, you've got this. You've done this before. <laughs> you can do it again. Right.
2: Yeah. You have the ability. It just takes, like, you have to realize that in yourself, you know?
1: The last time I was in here, I was interviewing a guy called Slug in a band called Atmosphere, a hip-hop group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He said to me, um, he was like, I keep doing this because I want to write the perfect song. Yeah. It's... Is, how would you, what's your thoughts on that?
2: I agree 100%. You know, that, that really is, like, part of the drive. And maybe that's a, an impossible thing to really achieve because what is the perfect song? But you do, like, maybe, you know, maybe that's in, like, a more traditional sense of, like, you want to write a song that's a number one hit. You know, like... But I, I, I think there's validity to that, not even in that it's like, you know, saying like you want to make a, mo- a ton of money or something like that, just in wanting to write something that can connect with a massive amount of people, because that is something that you're, you're uh, transcending limitations, you know, writing a song that the whole punk community can identify with has a limitation on it writing a song that can get past the punk community that the punk community could still identify with, but different types of people can identify with. That's a trick, you know, like you really like, it's about breaking outside of whatever barrier or whatever, like ghetto you're confined to, you know, and, and, and being, writing something that's universal, you know? And that was, like, with book stuff, that was really important, and that was, like, kind of a trick to do, too, where it was, like, because some of the things, like, when talking about punk stuff is, like, limited to, well, you have to know about the punk scene. Like, so sometimes, like, we went in and, like, explained, like, okay, you mentioned Fat Mike. Who's Fat Mike? You know, if, like, your grandma's reading this book, she needs to know who Fat Mike is. She needs some context. Sometimes, you know, it didn't bother explaining, like, with Ian Mackay, it's like okay you just need to look up who Ian Mackay is you know yeah. like but but um, that like I, I I definitely wanted to like not be confined by just having a book that only the punk scene could understand
1: there's, there's two ways I want to go but I have to say it just now it's funny you mentioned Ian Mackay because like the biggest interview I've done to date was was Ian Mackay. amazing and, and I like, would be nervous as fuck I, I was very very <laughs> nervous and it's not just a, it's not just a fact you're kind of going like oh man like he's done so much he's done so much and it's, it's more like see if you start to say something stupid that guy's gonna cut you down he's just gonna eviscerate you on the spot you know so don't say anything stupid please that kind of thing but million dollar question then is have you come close to a perfect song
2: i don't think so no i and and i mean that i i think i can say that in a healthy way of like i still feel like a drive of like maybe this next record you know maybe the next song and i really like i believe too like you're you're only as good as the last song you've written, you know, or the last thing you've done in that way. Um, but I still I still feel like there's the ability to grow and the ability to do more.
1: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. That's, that's really interesting because I think I'd be the same Like you might have written a perfect song to, I mean, to a lot of people I, I think you have written at least a couple of them Thanks. Um, but it's, it's like what keeps you up isn't it it's what gets you up in the morning it's like sure. I'm going to do better today because this is who I am You know, I, right. I'm a musician and the only thing that I know I, I don't know if I, I, I'm not speaking of here, but for me the only thing that I really know is the only thing that really makes me feel good is when I get up there I want to write the song and I'm like sure. cool you know that's fucking like I actually feel like a human being today when I do that you know sure. which is I think a lot of people might hear that and go that sounds really weird but it's like well that's kind of the way that I've defined myself my identity and kind of accidentally <laughs> right right well and I you know like going back to
2: that statement too about the perfect song I feel like it's like there's a lot of variables in it too where like you know you can feel like oh, I really wrote a great song And then you record it and you're like, fuck, but the recording wasn't that great, you know, like Uh or or there's a shortfall there where you're like, damn it, you know, the snare sound or like the fucking guitar tone is really not good or that just wasn't the best vocal performance or I wish the melody would have been different there. But the lyrics are really good, you know, so it's like so many different parts of the puzzle that you need to get right. And it's hard to like be cognizant of that all the time, you know, or like or even like being like, "Okay, we did it. We wrote a really good song. But then like the tour for the record is like shit and you're like, damn it, you know, like if we could just like get that perfect combination of writing the perfect songs for the (laughs) perfect record and going out and having the best tours ever, you know, it's unfair oftentimes too, going back to like where we originally started talking where I feel like there's an unrealistic expectation now on artists where it's like, not only do you have to write the perfect song, write the perfect record, but then you have to be really good at doing press too. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to give the perfect interview or otherwise your music's going to get lost in the shuffle, which is like, I didn't fucking set out to be like the best person ever at get doing interviews. I like, like, that's not satisfying to me what's satisfying to me is writing you know and yeah. is
1: and is feeling successful with that you know that's, I mean that's another thing I kind of noticed about all of is is like a lot of the you've done this like people people have a certain expectation of an artist to be a particular kind of person like all the time right and, and that must that must grind on you like quite a lot like you've got to be you just have to be what they expect you to be. Well, it takes away that your
2: humanness. Sense? Yeah, I know. you know, because like, you can have a bad
1: day, and exactly. it doesn't make you an asshole. Huh. It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just gonna we're just happen. Human. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh huh. And we all have shitty days. And I kind of wonder, just going back to the songwriting thing. Um, see, when you picked up the guitar and started writing songs, was that about writing the perfect song, or was it just about I've got something I want to say, so I'm going to say it? Like, at, at the start, yeah.
2: Um, it wasn't about the perfect song. It was more about like overcoming fear uh like specifically just because you know with against me in particular like i started out in other bands you know and with against me it was like it wasn't a, it didn't start as a band so it was like okay i want to write 10 songs on my own and record them and release them as a cassette tape because that seems terrifying because it's like you're more naked on your own and then it was about okay i did that Now, I want to play one show, just one show on my own, just me and an acoustic guitar, because that seems really scary. Because I'm used to having a band up there and I'm used to volume, you know? Um, So then, once I accomplished that goal, it was like, cool, I did that, you know? Like, it wasn't a good show. I like could critique my performance, you know, like the like the first against me cassette wasn't isn't they're not good songs, you know, like it's not a good recording by any means, but I did it, you know, like I accomplished the goal, so it was really just about like that kind
1: of goal oriented satisfaction, you know. So what's it? What's a terrifying thing now? Like what's the next? What's the next thing in in your journey there? I don't know. I mean, like the book was, you know,
2: like the book's out now, yeah. but that was like really terrifying to me because then you're like you're taking away the music you're taking away the metaphor it's just like all there and 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 it's diaries it's journals so it's like now you're you're reading my diary you know like and if you've ever kept a diary most people don't want people to read their diary they keep it hidden underneath their bed or whatever you know um but i don't know you know like i i have been thinking a lot about that you know of like okay what next and you know luckily like I have time you know there's no rush and we have a lot of touring planned out so that's that's the immediate plan is go on tour play some shows and like you'll figure it out
1: what is green day next yeah yeah that's
2: <laughs> very cool I'm, I'm excited about that yeah
1: i mean you guys have played arenas and stuff before uh-huh. and, stuff. and we played with green day too yeah yeah, yeah. and i must was it like thinking that's on the horizon like this is the next thing like it's
2: exciting although like you know it's you look at it in a different way, like the first time you go into playing a show that's like that big, like first time we played with Green Day was Giant Stadium and that was like 58,000 people, but no, baggy, no baggy. yeah, but at the same time, you're like, oh my God, 58,000 people. Like, I hope we don't suck. And you get up there and you're like, oh wait, no one's here to see us. They don't fucking care. They're not paying attention. Um, so it becomes a different thing. And like, in a way, there's less pressure. With those kind of shows i mean you know to begin with you're playing a shorter set and then also like for the majority of people there all your songs are new songs so it's not like this worry of like oh shit we really got to make sure the set works because we don't want to have lulls in it and you know make sure that everyone hears what they want to hear you know like and that we still get to play what we want to play with those shows like that it's like we can play whatever we want and it's shorter amount of time so it's easier (laughs) to make the set list and you really, you don't have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. All you have, the, you're just out there with the possibility of gaining new fans, which is like really freeing in this way. And and then also like you, you have, or I, I like to adopt this mentality of destroy. Go out there, destroy <laughs> the stage, make it, you know, be a tough act to follow, yeah. which is like a lot more satisfying I, I I feel like I, I work better with opposition, you know, as opposed to like, okay, it's our show, you know, like we're the last band playing. I, I like it better sometimes to have it like that.
1: So I, I want to talk about Shape Shift with me because I really like it. Obviously, thanks. Which is why I'm here. And you said that you're writing it in between writing the book, mm-hmm. and there's there's an immediate immediacy to the record, which I'm not saying that all, your other records kind of don't have. Um, say that again? It, it, yeah there's a needy say to it or a presentness to it which i think of another a lot of the other records don't have mm-hmm. um, and was that because you're kind of using it as a relief as opposed to the focus a hundred percent
2: yeah i mean it was like for the first time in such a long time where there was no pressure on songwriting where i could have i could have easily just done a book this year and like still been busy still done as much press <laughs> as, I, as i've done you know and 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 then done an against me record later It was just because that it was like songwriting became this really great release. And because the book was so much about reflecting on the past that the record just became about how do I feel now at this very moment? Like, what is the whatever emotion I'm experiencing and writing about it?
1: Was that important?
2: Yeah, it was great. And it really made it easy, you know, And, and a lot of it, too, was like the momentum that we had as a band of like you know it was a record written on tour and and touring was going really good you know and the shows are really fun so it was like capturing good times and like having songs where good memories were associated with them not necessarily songs where you're like i mean there are songs where it's like working through like something that's troubling me but most a lot of the songs most of the songs are just like that was a really fun time you know like oh i went to australia fell in love with a girl named rebecca i'm gonna (laughs) write a song about it you know like just really like I don't know. It doesn't always have to be deep in yeah. a way, you know.
1: I mean, a lot of music isn't deep as well. When we still enjoy it, we still. Enjoy sure, it. sure, and and just because it isn't deep doesn't mean there's not depth. Of course, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, it. I mean, I heard. I've also heard somebody's told. me, I've seen it somewhere that you guys, but you kind of did it. A, and more working a collaborative process. Sure. As yeah, well. yeah. I mean that also is kind of new. So like, and that's all a new band at this point as well. You know, it's, right, it's right? James and and uh, and. and and At Atom and I fucking always loved those guys anyway, you know. So it's definitely that the when I seen you guys a couple of years ago here in the garage, it was like that's it's gonna sound really weird to say it, and I don't mean it in an offensive way, but it was like the most together. Yeah, I've seen against me be on stage.
2: Sure, sure, no, and that that feeling was there, you know, and it was also like, you know, the the openness was like not to sound like a like a hippie or something like that but like it was like wanting to be open to whatever the universe sent my way you know and and make the most of that whatever great opportunity there was wanting to recognize it and to and to to jump on it and like from a even from my own perspective of being a fan of inge and adam of like kind of like you know fanning out and being like oh my god i'm in a band with Adam, and he was in rocket from the crypt and is an in international noise conspiracy now i get to make a record with him this is gonna be fucking awesome you know like what a rhythm section uh so like there's that you know that like
1: stokedness that like kind of little kid stokedness and that, i mean I, can, I can't imagine what that would been like but you can feel that in the record or you can hear it you can hear that like it sounds pure cliche to say, oh, yeah, you need electricity, man, on the record. But that's kind of true, I think. I think so, too, and, you know? And I don't want like I don't want to seem like I'm, like, sucking up or anything, but I genuinely do think that is one of the things I enjoy the most about the records. And I'm wondering, does that context of, of that record being the way it is, does that change the context of older songs now that you play them together live?
2: Sure, sure. And, and I mean, like, that often dictates what older songs you, you play, you know? Because, like... If it doesn't feel good, I don't want to play it. And if it doesn't work as the four of us, I don't want to play it. And of it and, and there are songs that like are particular to like, oh well, that was like me and and Andrew and Warren and James. You know, like that was that doesn't work with the yeah. four of us now. Um, so you know, any song we're still playing that's an older song, it's like and I think that's like a good sign of good song too, is that if it's able to grow with you, you know, and the meaning of it can change as you as you change
1: when it comes to the picking set list are there songs that maybe some other people in the band want but haven't grown with you particularly that you couldn't really play anymore because a lot of artists get that you know every single person I spoken to is like there's some songs we just can't play anymore because it doesn't feel like well it's not the same people that's written it obviously but it doesn't feel relevant to me anymore
2: sure 100% I mean like two examples of that is like you know, a really, really old against me song called Burn. And that wasn't even the name of it. We just, I never titled it. <laughs> That's what fans ended up calling it. And like, I've long refused to play that song mm. because I feel like, like that it's kind of fake in this way, you know, specifically cause I never finished writing the second mm. verse. Anyone, like anyone who always like protests when I say that it's like, okay, well, what are the lyrics to the second verse? And they're like, I don't know. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, because I'd mumble on the recording. Um, another example would be like you know the song we laugh at danger and break all the rules i love that song we like have a totally different feeling towards it than burn but it became the song where we always played it last in the set and people always like it was like and now's the moment we get up on stage you know and they were like Began to develop almost like a predictability to that where it's like I don't like I want that to be spontaneous I don't want it to be this like and this is when this happens because that that leads to like staleness,
1: you know So I guess it's obviously that thing and kind of like do you want I guess you're kind of saying the fans Do you want to see the band being authentic? Or do you just want to hear what you want to hear because you love that song?
2: I, I want to see the band be authentic. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. yeah. That's why
1: That's why we like love punk rock music because sure. we're here to see that. And, and sometimes that, that means disappointing people, yeah. you know? Because that's, I think another thing that goes back to what people expect an artist to be is like, they do expect, they expect to play everything. It's like, just play all the songs. Play all the songs, right? <laughs> play all the records. It's funny. And you're like, well, no, because A, no. B, <laughs> that'll be really tiring and C, I'm a human being. after don't like some of those songs anymore, Right. You
2: know? And I like, you know, I think at, at any given moment, I only have the ability to like remember the chords and lyrics for like 40 songs.
1: So that actually happens, like you, uh, you get to that stage.
2: Well, oh, yeah, and you write a new record and like, you, honestly, like you end up like dumping songs, like, okay, got to make room for these ones, you know, like where it's just like, I mean, I'm only human, I can only remember
1: so much, you know? I used to always think when I, I would see bands live and they would have like, bigger bands would have like lyrics, I'm like that's a that's a cop out. But, but no, really actually, sometimes to, you yeah, need it. Start. Yeah, yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Um, uh-huh. Ah, man, like uh, I've got another couple of questions that my friends, is a Huge against me, fan want want me to ask you. Okay. I'm going to go with a couple of them because I think they're quite good questions. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm human, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. See, when the band was started and it started taking off, did you feel that your shows were kind of um, stood apart from your peers and stuff like that?
2: I did. I mean, I think of like some of that was like embarrassingly young egotism, you know, like, because I was like, oh, there's no band like us. (laughs) But in a lot of ways, like we were doing something really unique, especially like when it was like me, James, Dustin and Warren, you know, or Dustin and Kevin specifically, where it was like. You know, Kevin didn't even fucking play with cymbals. What other band had a drummer that didn't have cymbals? You know, like <laughs> there was a feeling of like, okay, we're we're like pioneering a sound within folk punk that like many people haven't done before, um, and then there was like the feeling of like, okay, and now this has been done before, and like let's move on, you know. Um, but there was that feeling, yeah.
1: When you were moving out of the whole sort of folk punk thing, was there any kind of trepidation there about about kind of trying to get? A bigger audience, or play better songs, or play different kinds of songs.
2: No, because it wasn't really like a. Um, it was like just the way it naturally happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like some of like starting to play electric guitar. With a full band had to even do with like feedback issues, you know, or just like sonically the acoustic would get lost, especially when we're starting out and we're playing venues that are kind of shit venues and don't have monitors and don't have a good PA. And it's like, I can't fucking hear my guitar. I just can't hear it. I need to play an electric guitar. So some of it was like, that's what dictated the changes in sound, you know? Some of it was like, well, this is the equipment we have. This is what we're going to play. And some of it was just like aesthetic choices of like, this is what I want to do. You know, it's not like someone's forcing me to do it. It's just what I want to do. And I don't care if it makes anyone
1: happy but me. So talking about feedback, actually, um, whenever I play play a guitar with a lot of gain, and whenever I play the Rickenbacker, that's kind of the first thing that happens is like a squealing feedback. Yeah. Um, Is that, was that guitar choice? Because it used to play acoustic or was it just what felt natural when you started playing them or? No,
2: it was like I, a like with Rick and Buckers, I love the way they look. Mm-hmm.
1: They just That new that new Matt Black one uh, that I seen on um the Steph Myers. yeah That's a really I don't I actually don't like I have it. have that with me. Yeah. But I fucking love it. Like, I love the look of that guitar like. That uh, right. They're fucking cool looking <laughs>
2: guitars. And then like B, like I have always strived for a sound that was more trebly. So, like a lot of that was, and, and Rickenbackers are semi-hollow, so it remain, it like retains some of the feel of playing an acoustic guitar, where if it's not plugged in, you still have sound, you know. Um, and the strings have resistance in a different way than like a Telecaster does, you know. But um that, that like high end sheen, specifically like that Rickenbackers have. That I mean, you can hear in anyone else's music that plays Rickenbacker is like the sound I always was attracted yeah, to.
1: And you've got that telly now as well, which is a totally kick-ass. The Nash, ass. yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: I, brought my, uh, I, I brought a different Ash with me on this one. It's called a Wayfarer. It's, I've been playing for the past couple of tours, and I like that too. Well, I it, like guitars when it comes down to yeah. it, so I, I just love guitars. Yeah. I've, I
1: haven't actually really spoken so much about equipment on, on this podcast because I don't want to bore people, but I fucking love guitars. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I, have, I have kind of a, an obscene amount of guitars. How many guitars do you have? Uh, probably like 25, 30 guitars or so, wow, something I, like that. I'm, I'm only
1: at three. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get there, don't worry, you'll get there. Well, hopefully, <laughs> um, So, is it just a reckon back that you generally bring on tours or guitars you don't bring on tours?
2: Um, there, yeah, like I have like a, a 1964 Fender Jaguar that I don't bring on tour. It's just a studio guitar. And I have a couple other guitars that are more just like, I want this to be a studio guitar. And if you take something on tour, it inevitably gets damaged or like, you know, there's more wear and tear on it. So there's some guitars that I just like relegate to studio land
1: that makes sense because that was the next question i was going to ask is like do you worry on the road when you've got a guitar and it's like well i know this is probably not going to make it through in the same shape yeah totally the, yeah the, the no
2: i mean whether that's scratches
1: or like the fear of theft even you know like yeah. touch wood but um yeah <laughs> um one of my pals wanted, to ask, wanted me to ask you about um searching for a form of clarity yeah and he was asking what was your state of mind when you are writing the record both personally and as a band at the time because it seems so self-lacerating and it also looks quite outward but also quite outward and brutally on the music of the time I was fucked up at
2: yeah. the time yeah I mean honestly I was in a really dark and negative headspace um but also I was like coming out of a really dark and negative headspace. I, I had gone through a period of time and I'll talk openly about this just because it's all in the book. Um, <laughs> it, but I was coming out of a period of time where I was really struggling with drug addiction and like due to drug addiction, I was like in a really paranoid place where I would convinced myself I was dying yeah. and I was like, just, you know, like I, this was like 2004 and we had been on tour for like two years, so I was really exhausted from the road, and came out of that, and when we started writing, I like made a New Year's resolution where I was like, I'm gonna sober up, right? So then I sobered up, and so like, for writing the record, I was sober for like nine months, and was like trying to become really like you know physically fit really healthy going to the gym every day and stuff like that so I was like getting better but at the same time because I had like lost all my crutches I was really tense Mm -hmm. and just like really like also having to relearn how to write and like where how to be creative because I didn't have the crutches that I had used before
1: I've never really considered that before like that must have been an interesting period then to try and realize how to write in a way which doesn't have the crutches you had before sure yeah but also, you know, that was a record, too, where,
2: where we were trying to write as a band. Mm-hmm. And the four of us, when it was me, James, uh, Andrew, and Warren, were never really good at that. Like, we really had, like, communication problems when it came down to it. And for whatever reasons... Like, just never were good at coming up with music together, so it was really like trying to force that you know, of like, we're gonna this is gonna be a group effort, everyone is gonna contribute whether you like it or not. Um, so so sometimes that kind of led to like again more more tension, you know. I
1: haven't been on tour for that long, and obviously, you're on the road quite a lot anyway. Um, mm-hmm. is that something you look forward to when you're, when you're like at home and before the tour? Or do you look going on to tour going back in the road,
2: yeah, it's one of those things I think most musicians will to attest to this where it's like you could be on tour for like three months and you're like oh my god I am so burnt out on going on tour like I just want to go home and then you'll be home for two days and you're like alright when's the next yeah, tour let's go like, <laughs> yeah. when am I like, I gotta, come on I gotta get out of here let's <laughs> do something
1: yeah. and then after that album there was New Wave and one of the questions he also wanted me to ask you was um, do you feel as though well fans have come round to that because was, I remember at the time a lot of fans were kind of like fuck you. I'm out of here, I'm done. Bye. That's always
2: been our story though. It's always like yeah, everyone's always like oh, fuck the new record. I like the old record. Fuck the new record. I like the old record. With every single record, there's always there'd always been an element of that. But I do think that fans have come around on new wave. That's, sure. that's how I
1: got in. That's like it was Trash was Muse that, that was my entry point. Right. It's like I seen the video on MTV or something. Yeah. And I was like, "Who are this band? This is interesting.
2: <laughs> I think that record too has a uniqueness to it of that Because that's the only record we don't control. Warner still owns it, Um, and like the vinyl has gone out of print. You know, Uh, there was a label that, much to my chagrin, uh, like repressed it recently. But it was like going for insane prices on eBay because people couldn't get it. So like anytime there's a record that goes out of print and like becomes rare in that way, like a mystical develop around it. You know.
1: I mean. Are you kind of annoyed with the fact that you don't have control over the records? Yeah,
2: very much so. Yeah, uh-huh. Sucks. <laughs> that's
1: what Prince was all about, really, wasn't it? The whole thing in the and it's just like, I have no control over my music like this. Yeah. I, I wouldn't... I, I'm not even going to begin to try and understand the, the thought process bit, processes behind major labels and why they want to do that, because that's a whole murky world of Yeah. Of bad shit. <laughs> yeah. Bad vibes. Yeah. Um, well, Laura, it's been a total fucking pleasure to talk to you. Right on. Pleasure um, is fine. I've done it. <laughs> I, got, I got through did it. Uh, I didn't say anything stupid. So. Uh, is there anything you want to add or anything you want to ask me before we finish?
2: Uh, no, I'd I'd like to say thank you. And do you want a copy of my book? I have a copy um, of the bus. You can have
1: it. Uh, I'll have to edit that part out. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would be amazing, actually. Um, I just yeah. Well, we'll wrap this up. So, Laura, thank you very much for talking to me. Yeah, <laughs> my pleasure. You? My pleasure. <laughs>
0: Speaking to Laura Jean Grace was a total honour for me. I've been a huge fan for so many years. She was good company and hopefully we can get a chance to meet again someday. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a second to give this a rating and review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and whatever podcasting app that you're currently using. For further information on the music used in this episode Please check the show notes Thank you very much Until next time, bye bye